In a week where the most yardage the team gained was by crossing a bridge on the Spartan Walk, at least we can celebrate Thunderstruck. So please, can someone get Mark D'Antonio a headset? You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Cannot Read, Cannot Write, the podcast that proves Spartans can talk. I'm Mike Jones, joined as always by some idiot who chose to buy into the Greenworks lawn ecosystem, Kevin Gregg, and the guy who could be in East Lansing, but chooses to be wherever the fuck, Alex Plum. (laughs) Oh my god. God, you are angry today. God, these are like deeply personal hurtful attacks and, and for new listeners this is a bit of a bit that we do every week of, yeah. you know, we do something like in the news but these but have nothing not, to do with anything but what he thinks of us as people yeah it's not it's generally like, this ad hominem and i am oh, i am i am uh, i feel like you all coordinated this by the way deeply wounded man hurt. over there just lashing <laughs> out to be fair greg i want to celebrate your eco-driven lifestyle of you know a clover lawn not out of it wasn't really for the bees but it's fine uh but plum yes my vitriol is directed at you you have the (laughs) privilege of being able to just scamper on over to spartan stadium whenever you want and you go to guster guster in chicago listen listen we all knew are they playing at bars now is that where they're at (laughs) It's the county fair. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Cook County Fair. Yeah. <laughs> For the greater Chicagoland area. Chicagoland area. Come on the by, you guys. Naperville was all booked up, so they had to do Cook County, regular Cook County. Oh. Where did they play, uh, Plum? The Salt Shed. Salt so Shed. a bar. So a bar. <laughs> it's a nice venue. Uh, all right. Thank you. <laughs> Of course, for everyone for listening, if we could ask a small favor, please share the pod with Spartans in your life. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And of course, follow us on Twitter at Spartan underscore pod. Actually, while we're on this topic, I do want to thank a bunch of our listeners who took the time to like retweet the show last week, uh, comment on it. Uh, That was sincerely appreciated and did, I, I mean... It was a really good episode for us, and uh, and it means a lot, and so just thank you. Yeah. Now we yeah. have this unearned sense of confidence going into this one. Yeah. <laughs> We're professionals. Yeah. And we will disappoint. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, uh, sincerely, for anyone who took the time to, I haven't even checked if anyone rated the podcast, that was sincerely appreciated, but everyone sharing it, really, really thank you, Uh it meant a lot and and it drove a lot of new listeners for us so for those of you returning welcome back um all right uh this is a more normal episode than what folks got to partake in last week uh who wants to give the breakdown someone gonna step up here hey this podcast always begins behind the green wall where football always leads even when we don't lead on the field at any point <laughs> at any 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 point in really any way other than losing. Uh, we'll talk about the game. We'll talk about its implications on the season on the overall state of the program. And we're praying to God that Washington is the best team in the history of college football forever. After the, uh, after that, we'll talk a little bit about basketball only because 
this podcast is simply holding on until November when that you Mel Tucker and all of that saves us from we're ourselves. Gonna, we'll get to Mel Tucker uh, and worry not, folks, because there's more that we've learned. There's a lot less that we know, uh, but that's not going to keep us from talking about it. We'll head off Grand River where <laughs> Deion Sanders couldn't help himself. We'll preview Maryland. Newsflash, it's not going to be super exciting. And then we'll take your Twitter questions. All right. Let's head behind the green wall. And we are going to start with the game. I think it's uh, top of mind for everybody. And in the single largest shellacking that has ever been witnessed in some ways uh, by the Spartan faithful. Um, It was nice of fate to give everyone in the stadium beer for this one. Mm, like, mm-hmm. Lest you have to take this while yeah. also sobering up from, That's right. I, from the tailgate. I'm I, I, quick. We're going to get into the game folks, but uh, this was also our first experience with Pekak. Um It was not Mel Tucker's first experience with it, but the, yeah. uh, the, the, the <laughs> it's fine. The, uh, the, it was better than Fox, I would say, from a really? commercial oh. disruption standpoint. standpoint. Mm. So I was curious if in stadium, Greg, if it felt like there were less unnecessary delays. I, like I'm looking for bright sides out of all of this. What it felt like was if nothing was happening on the field, then Michael Penix could not be absolutely annihilating us. Mm. So, so I we were winning by commercials. Relished every single commercial break, with the exception of one. Uh, not to make us go to the game, but when when uh, it was early in the game, Washington called a timeout when they were like on third and like long, um, that was a real bummer to me. Cause it was a long time out. It mm. was like three minutes and it, the stadium was behind the team before that happened. And then everyone sort of settled down and we had to like wake everyone up and when, you know, they converted. So, um, hmm. after then after that, like, good God, we'll talk about my game experience, but yeah. Um, all right, so the game itself, uh, let's let's say some nice things. I, I think we should do the the inverse of the say a whole bunch of nice things about a person before you say something bad about them. Why don't we just say the nice things about Washington and then not talk about how good Washington is <laughs> for the remainder of this episode and then That's just fine. say only bad things about Michigan State. Okay, um, so Washington is good. They have clearly first round talent at their wide receiver court. They clearly, as we knew last year, had uh, a fantastic offensive game plan. Michael Penix is, it's not a surprise to anyone. And it's not just because of last year is a very good quarterback and can beat you in multiple ways. As a career, he, in three games against MSU, he has numbers that like look like other quarterbacks, full season stats. It's wild. at MSU. He he probably has surpassed some MSU quarterbacks in their in their statistical categories, um, career statistical categories. So, um, yeah, forty-one-seven. Uh, Michigan State does outscore Washington in the second half, seven to six. So that tells you how bad it was. Uh, it is. Uh, I don't know that I've seen anything like it. Um, so Washington's very good. 
and their and their defense was better than we expected as well. I think their rush defense was a mm-hmm. bit of a surprise to us. Yeah, what they were able to do. Um, yeah, that was I a que- big question mark coming into the game. For them. We expected, I think, to not put zero points uh, on the board until the very end of the game when it didn't matter anymore. I think we were expecting to like accomplish something offensively, and that did not happen. Didn't yeah. get anywhere close. And you know, it, it is worth so because it, it is worth talking about Washington as a program for a second, because there will be those folks who say, and it's worth remembering, Washington was kind of a garbage program in some capacity before they changed coaches two years ago. But they had built up a pretty decent defense prior to that change. And then bringing an offensive mastermind, bringing a, you know, Michael Penix and, and really, put some gas into the thing. Um, so it's not quite as simple as like flip the switch. Let's put a pin in that idea. Cause I, we're going to talk about Michigan state long-term cause it seems to me we need to fire everybody, but we'll get there in a second. Uh, the let's start on the offensive side of the ball. We thought maybe like it, I got, I got a little bit of shit for calling it Akron 2.0 last week. And we didn't talk a lot about the game last week. But we saw a whole bunch of things the first two games that ended up being truisms in yeah. the long run. Yeah. Noah Kim slow starts in two consecutive games ends up Noah Kim might suck. Yeah. I'm, or at least is not good enough. Well, he also clearly got rattled. I think he took a couple yeah. hits and then yeah. he started getting rid of the ball as yep. fast as possible and making checkdowns and not running really, any coverage. Yeah. It just he, was, he did was, have a couple good throws, but mostly it was not poor. good. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and, uh, and we saw continued issues on, um, the offensive line. Not, yeah, I mean, and that, to the point around him getting shook, I mean, pass protection was just freaking garbage. This O-line and everyone associated with it needs to be fired into the sun. Um, I, I, my God, collapse city. And Nate Carter, like, I don't know what you want the man to do. I know that he only averaged 2.8 yards per carry on 17 attempts, but like, do, can he carry an entire team on his back? And also no, apparently reportedly get shook up in, in, uh, uh, warm-ups before the game uh by a overzealous simeon barrow uh is what i was reading on twitter so (laughs) what uh, we have no running backs there are zero other running backs on the team correct yeah and we want to talk about that uh held out report that was we we should let's get that into remainder of season we'll we'll get to (laughs) so we're folks we're going to cover the game we're going to cover the remainder of the season and then we're going to cover the program long term so we're going to pin that one for remainder of the season but uh, yeah, it, here's here's the other thing is that two point eight yards per carry, okay. Seventeen attempts for a, a back like Nate Carter. You actually would hope that that number is higher. Mm-hmm. It, it, not the two point eight yards. That stuff happens, right? Yeah. But the seventeen attempts is a little bit concerning, and the and it makes sense that you could only because at some point in time you couldn't try and 
it was clear you were not going to be able to stop Washington from scoring any longer by keeping right. the ball away from them. So you had to start running or you had to start throwing the ball more. So Kim, uh, actually, it's kind of embarrassing. 12 Kim. for 31 for 136 yards. And that's Ooh. your former Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week, folks. Yikes. Which is which is to show, and I, I think Graham Couch asked this question, should Richmond and Central Michigan be in our schedule any longer? I mean, what in the fuck purpose yeah, does that right sound? Now. We need those games. Just well, to, we want to make a bowl. Feel something. No, we we don't deserve the wins. They're not real wins. I mean, let's be clear. Why don't we play high schoolers then? Because those wins wouldn't count either. So playing Richmond and Central is akin to beating up on middle schoolers because that's what happened to us yesterday. Was we were little middle schoolers just getting our faces shoved in the shit. Oh. God. Yeah, it was it was really disappointing when the commentators were talking about how this must be disappointing for Washington because they were hoping a four quarter test would come their way to prepare them for the Pac twelve schedule, and they didn't get it. The indignity, <laughs> the indignity of being so bad that we couldn't even prepare them for their Pac twelve schedule. <laughs> a conference that's. Dead? <laughs> God help us. We merged your conference, but your best teams <laughs> will um, annihilate ours. What did I see? That something they had the 75th worst defense in the country? Washington. Yeah, but, but guess That's what? We, we had we but we had the fifth best secondary coming into the game. So, you know. So I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't nothing matter. makes any sense. Well, that's the point, isn't it? I mean, that's just the point. Yeah. Nothing yeah. makes sense. Uh, the fifth best uh, secondary. I have a note here. It says uh, tackling in the secondary colon uh, doo-doo caca. Aha. Yeah. Very good. Well, Having, so- uh, remember our week from uh, our remember our jump from week one to week two. Mm. Um, oops. That didn't happen. We didn't mm-hmm. talk about that either last week mm-hmm. because the Mel. Things happened. Uh, But here's the thing that I, I, so I want to, I want to put a bow on, um, uh, on the offense here for a second. I'm sure the receivers did some things wrong that as watchers of the game that we just missed. Uh, There were, I, if I went through the notes, I think I might've screamed about Malik Carr a time or two, but all in all, it seemed to me that this was a, our offensive line still stinks. Yeah. And our quarterback is not great. Yeah. And Malik Carr, we were sold a, a you know, full bill of goods on that one. That is, yeah. that yep. is not what we were promised. Um, and yeah. it really bummed me out every time Bernard did something in, in purple that I was like, God, why can't he just be on the other sideline? Like, but he, they used him, him in creative hole. ways, and we wouldn't yeah. have. I mean, yeah. that's uh, like so. It's he also scored a touchdown that no one should have scored. He should have been taken down at like Correct. the four yard line. Correct. Um, yes, yes. Our tackling was very so good. That's, yeah. Let's transition over to the defense for a second. Um, what defense? <laughs> well, so well, they switch it up. They start. So they give up the most yards in Spartan football history correct the 713 up. something like that they try zone first they switch to man and it's a nothing 
changes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's worse. Weirdly, I, I actually think... I don't think the deep, the secondary is actually as bad as everyone is going to assume based upon yardage. Are you blaming the backers for this? No. Well, so, I mean, I don't think our front, I don't think our front four to six is as good as everyone said it was going to be. That's true. Um, I mean, they were untested. There was a small amount of experience coming back. And then that was where all of our blue chip crews were going to come through. I, I would I would challenge anyone who watched the game and it was painful to watch. But if you if you compare what we saw last year against Washington, which was dudes just getting hit wide open. And it's not that there wasn't a blown coverage or two in this game, but there were a lot more really tough catches made by really excellent receivers and a really good quarterback. Yeah. That I mean, there was some, of some them were just indefensible. Some of them it is just like there was nothing that you could do. It, so I, I just, I mean to say there is some capacity that Washington, Washington's offensive pass attack may be that good against a young, what we knew coming into the season, a young secondary that we hoped was better. And so I, I would just, I know it's really hard to say this and it's, we'll put a pin in this to the, what's it look like for the rest of the season and what's it like going, going forward. But I am. Not out on Dylan Tatum. I'm not out on Mangum. I'm not out on Malik Spencer. Like there are some good dudes on this secondary that, you know, they they just ran into a buzzsaw and they're young. Like yeah. it, both of those things can be true. Yeah. So um it doesn't suck less. But uh but the tackling. We can talk about the tackling, we can talk about the penalties, we can talk uh, like it Can we sucked. talk about special teams? Can we talk about Ross Ells? <laughs> you said last week that Ross Ells gets no uh, credit for the specialists. So let's remove any good punting that might have happened. And let's talk about the slop. Just the unbelievable, inexcusable, unforgivable slop. They were ungainly. They were uncoordinated. Some might even say discoordinated. It was as if they were intentionally running backward. Um, I can't begin. What was the fair catch? And then he just plowed into the guy into the end zone in the second quarter. Yeah. I mean, oh. it was, it was, it was, and then, oh, I, I don't know where to begin. No sense, no sense of purpose. No sense of cohesion, no sense of identity. And I think in a word is there's zero fucking leadership for this program. There was no leadership off of the field and there was no fucking leadership on the field. And that's what we saw. We saw the results in the product of no leadership. If I'm not mistaken, special teams had both too many men on the field at times and too few (laughs) men on the field at times and, and he, that's, not, that's not a critique of the skill of any of the players that's separate i mean like literally not enough meat bags in green and white on the that side of the line that's that's on the coaches too that's what i'm saying that's what i and that's what i'm saying i mean but it's but it's top to bottom it's but top to bottom wanna, if we want to put it on the the players for a second uh did they not run a fake kneel did like Yes. Washington ran a victory yes. formation. Yes. Kneel. And the late in the second half or first half. Yes. And then faked it. Faked it. Yep. And right. we just stood there with a, our touch, f- a touchdown. 
Did I make that uh, up? That uh, not immediately. I think they did on the next play. But that, but that's but that's the point, you know. And I think you know, at one point, I, I even tweeted out, I was like, are, are they, or "Do they care?" I mean, this was in the first half. I mean, and one can understand the demoralization of this. How one would not have any purpose, but like, then the camera pans to Harlan Burnett. What's he doing? The keep chopping symbol, and and one realizes he doesn't Wait, know. Is this real? Oh, this is real. Harlan he Burnett. Said it, he said it in his presser that that's what he said at halftime too. Yes. Yes, we have to keep chopping, guys. Six seconds of play, you know, blah, 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 keep chopping, like all the melisms. It's which, all of them. Which, that, don't defend that, it. Don't no, do it. he's, don't. If you've don't. ingrained certain isms to your players, if they're you meaningless, you can do a lot of things because fuck knows when Mark D'Antonio was given the floor to speak, he didn't say any of that horse shit. And I guarantee you those players cared more about the three words that came out of Mark's mouth than any of the horse shit slop that Harlan peddled. I I guess it's true. This is like when you find a a really horribly malnourished person and you can't gorge them with food because they'll die. You have to like wean them back onto food. I suppose (laughs) – it's possible <laughs> that you you have to continue to feed them that horse shit because as you kind of move them off of it for the rest of the season. So just as they do in the Red Cross and, and you know, in disaster oh areas across the globe, so too we must do at the Scandalera Center, I suppose. <laughs> it's like finding Kimmy Schmidt in the... Uh... Yeah, yeah. Bunker. <laughs> so let's let, let's breakable. Let's talk about what the implication is on the rest of the season because we have and I, well, I know we're talking about Maryland in a few minutes, but we have we have a team. Let's actually talk about the injuries because I think this is yeah. a good segue into the into the rest of the season. We didn't. None of us did this, and the audience can't see it. But are we putting injuries in air quotes, or are we buying? We're putting them. Injuries? We're putting them firmly in air quotes, and I'm ready to go around Nancy Kerrigan style to see who's actually hurt because <laughs> they're sure. going to be. Because they're gonna be. Oh wait, hold on. I can, I want to circle back real quick on the the coaching for just one second, and then we'll then we'll. Well, it, it it fits. It's the season. Go ahead. So so there was a. I think this was in the first quarter because I my notes were on my phone and sloppy. It just says, "Bro, why are you running a play when you could have gone into the quarter?" So this must have been in the first quarter, end of the quarter. Yep. They could have let the whistle blow. Yep. And instead. Hurried. Opted to run another play when yep. you clearly are getting your shit kicked. Yep. Like, and you clearly are going to run a dumb run play again. Like, you could have let the clock run out, and then you could have moved into the first, the second, and so, okay. ran some more clock. Like, it was that was some dumb coaching, and it, and it and I would put it on Harlan. I would, but like, you know what? There's a bunch of other dudes there who could say, "Hey, Harlan," maybe, or Jay Johnson could say. Don't snap the ball. That could okay. be it's, it's that simple. Jay Johnson could say, don't snap the ball. It so was let's no huddle. Jordan Simmons rushed to the left for two yards of game. That's the yeah, the last play of the first quarter. Yep. yep. Yeah. And, 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 and this, in this just, game, in this game, two yards of gain is a high point that we should be celebrating, Michael. Yeah. So first, how dare you? That's also below Jordan Simmons' average. So no, I won't. Well, also, we're uh, celebrating that wasn't additional wear and tear. 
on Nate Carter. Yeah, so I'll also right. take that. Yeah, take that. No, but let's let, let's put this in the framework of what this what this portends for the rest of the season. And okay, this comes so back injuries. to my point about. Well, no, hold on. I actually want to stay on the coaches because coaches, but even before injuries, we have we have a very untested Harlan Barnett. No one can look at Harlan Barnett's resume and say he has been effective at anything he's tried. No. Uh, he hasn't been a good coach in any position group. Not not for this program, I, unless you well, have an example. I mean, he was co-defensive coordinator on some pretty great Michigan State teams, and then he was the secondary coach under Dark West Denard and, and Trey Waynes. But he's so, also the, he was a secondary coach for this team. Yeah, and and again, and again, so no, part yeah, of it, no, no, it's he's got his whole record he has to deal with. Yeah, and I'm, I'm saying the yeah. co-defensive coordinator, I just want to be really careful. Like, it's when you have a good, strong partner who's doing all the lifting, being co at anything is easy. I'm, I am, and I, and I, and maybe I would have known that until, well, that's listener <laughs> guest. Um, there's a, uh, I, and, and maybe this is coming into clearer relief now. Yeah. I, I know that this game is not a fair way to judge Harlan Barnett. I know that intellectually the rest of me doesn't care. And I think that, <laughs> I think that the easy mistakes and you. he pointed to some of these in the post game, he talked about, you know, I, I left football to, to talk, to go into administration. One understands that He's trying to talk to the players, trying to salvage the team, forgot the X's and those. Why, why then did, did Mark D'Antonio not have a headset? You know, why then is Jay Johnson still able to walk and breathe oxygen? How is it that no, I mean, I get that he can't fire all of them, but there are some simple things like ax murdering Jay Johnson. I mean, there's some things that we could be doing to advance the program. And those didn't seem, those didn't seem to be happening. You raised two good points that I think we should get to like, one is the, why is Mark D'Antonio not wearing a headset? There's actually, that's a great question. Listeners, there's a logistical answer for that. Not everyone gets to wear a headset. Right. And so Michigan State has a certain number of on-field coaches they're permitted. Mm-hmm. And those coaches are also the coaches who are allowed to recruit for Michigan State University. You can't, you wouldn't, you shouldn't have Mark D'Antonio, and he doesn't want to. Yeah, be one of those people. If you're trying with everything you can do, even if you are, if you're Holland Barnett and you might be dead man walking, if you love Michigan State, like I truly think he does, mm-hmm. you are going to do literally what's best for the program. Yeah. So that's why it, it's a fair question. Okay. There's a logistical answer to it, but the the other one I think is actually a fascinating intellectual conversation about if Mel Tucker had coached this game. And it would have been, been? well, it almost certainly would have been nearly as bad. Catastrophic. I I don't think, I, I think, I I think it would have been bad enough that a coordinator gets fired. Interesting. And, and I just say it's interesting because it's never happened, even though it should have long ago. It never happened. But what about this game made, would make you think that that would be the thing that makes the, the levy break. It, it's the worst. You are so far away. You you've actually have upgraded talent. Like mm-hmm. for, like friends, listeners, like this team is better in many ways. Yep. The wide receiver core has clearly gotten really deep with some really fun young playmakers. They brought in Nate Carter, who is a pretty okay running back to to maybe plus. He's probably yep. a plus running back. 
Imagine if this team still had Eli Collins. Wouldn't that be nice? Mm-hmm. That was what I was thinking about when I was in the stands. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, our guy Eli. Would have been... Anyway, uh, the defense, I, I know how it looks, but I promise you, I promise they are better. There is talent on that defensive side of the ball. It, because you can see, it, they, I mean, Cal Halliday is still doing like the I can't cover anybody thing, which is going to get him roasted every single time against Washington. And they picked on him a lot. But the rest of the people around, much better. Like, it, it was a better version of shitty by a lot. So so the talent has gotten better. The product has not. The coaching has not. And the, Well, the coaching is the ex- explanation for the Delta. If the talent goes up and the product doesn't go up. But what we have are so, flatlined, ineffectual coaches. None of them, a, a couple exceptions, but none, I mean, Jay Johnson, Scotty Hazleton, Ross Ells, and Harlan yeah. himself, like, these is, this is the B or C team. This is, not, this is not fair to the student athletes that these are the guys coaching you. They have proved time over time over time that they are incapable of delivering plays, of delivering structure, of delivering schemes, of delivering leadership that can bring this team into whatever century of football we're playing now. Well, and that's... So if 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 my if I what I posit is correct that this is fire a coordinator bad. Harlan Barnett cannot fire a coordinator. No, he but that's my point. No one can. And they wouldn't. He wouldn't even if he could, Mike, if he was given the full-time job, which if that happens, I turn in my degree. I I guarantee he would never do it because he doesn't have the stones to do it because he is in the same we're all fucking terrible. What are we doing here? How are we getting paid this much money to be this bad? They're in the same boat. They're they're the same guy. They're all bad. And so bad doesn't know bad. They don't know good. They don't they don't know. They don't know. One of those things came up. I don't remember who it was, but someone on the O-line this week was talking about how Coach Cap was the best coach he's ever had. Yeah, cuz your your previous coaches were not making Coach Cap money. Right. They were they were teachers or whatever. Yep. He needs to be the best coach yes. that you've ever had. Yes. And let's talk know. about that because I don't know how your run game coordinator puts out a shitty run game that often. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm with you, Jonesy, that maybe under normal circumstances, a coordinator should be fired after this. I just don't think Tuck was going to do it. So what do we do? So let me present an issue to you plum we all saw the list of the you know not in uniform sure uh kids um so some of them are actually injured we know sure. that yep some of them i think their their eligibility hey, is what oh, they're yes. concerned about injuring so i think we need to give one more week and here's why yeah say what you will about harlan barnett and we've said a lot and and I want to be clear. I feel I feel really really bad because this is so clearly a lifelong dream for him. Not just to be a head coach, but a head yeah. coach at Michigan State. Michigan and State. you know what? Frankly, for as much as we've lamented on this very podcast about how student athletes don't aren't picking your school in the same way, and it's not really about being a Spartan and blah 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 blah. It's always yeah. been about coaches. You're always a uh, you. Well, and Harlan is and Harlan is a Spartan. I think that's your point. Well, that, right, right. That for Harlan, the, he wants to be here. He wants yeah. this. He wouldn't take another job because this is the job that he wants. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so I uh, we've lamented Harlan a fair amount. Uh, 
I think but, that's the right way. But yeah. the one thing, so I, I want to be, I, I want to tread with kid gloves on Harlan because my heart it empathizes with him. Yeah, it's a but, really bad circumstance that he's in. Sure. Right. He's yeah, he's got he's gotten his dream job in the shittiest of circumstances. Right. Uh but the but he doesn't Who strike me as some thought it figures. He, he doesn't strike me as somebody who lies or is uh coy in the way that Mel was very sort of Belichick-esque. You know, there's and, and there's so, this so Harlan was asked about a couple guys in particular who were out. Yeah. And he said they'll be back next week. So let's see if they're back next week. So I the, go ahead. The reason I brought this up though, Plum, is if you need to just retain meat bags on the field, don't you also have to retain their coaches in order to do that to a degree? Like if you fire an offense, you can't fire them. I'm not. Listen, I'm not. At this point, you can't fire them. I know he can't fire them. I don't want them fired. There's no one else that's going to come here because they wouldn't. They know they would be dead men walking as well. Harlan Barnett, look, this is the thing I'll say about Harlan Barnett, because I, you're right, Jones, but nice guys finish last. There's a reason nice guys finish last. Harlan Barnett is the nice guy. Harlan Barnett wanted to be the head coach at Michigan State. Harlan Barnett never deserved to be the head coach at Michigan State. Harlan Barnett is not good enough to be the head coach at Michigan State University. And the fact that we're in this position now is not Harlan Barnett's fault. Thank you for rising to the occasion, Harlan Barnett. But there's a reason I'm never going to be the CEO of Blue Cross Blue Shield. I'm not good enough to be. It doesn't matter if you're a nice is guy. It doesn't matter <laughs> if you're Ross Ells and his wife know that and you're a nice guy. <laughs> it just it is this isn't the way the world works. So yes, we're grateful for Harlan for stepping in right now. But my guy, don't be something you're not. Yeah. Don't don't be the thing you're not. You're not Bell. You're not. Keep chopping. You're not in this. My God, I don't know who was watching this. I watched the video of Harlan trying to lead the team across the bridge and the Spartan walk. Painful. Painful. The guy has no swagger. That's not him. So Harlan. getting him out there, it, 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 the, everyone knows what inauthenticity looks like. And uh, young people are particularly good. At sniffing it out. So I, there's a lot, lot of good things to say about Harlan. I know I'm being an asshole, but I, I'm, my point is he is not the guy we need. None of the coordinators are. This is simply what we have for this season, and none of it is going to bode well for us. He needs to yeah. find his voice. That's this, his- is, this might bridge us into our next thing, but Harlan Barnett probably doesn't even have a brand standards document, much less a 52-page one. So... <laughs> We need a dude swinging a 52 page brand brand statement document. Wait, is this a thing I missed on? Oh, yeah. This got reported, I think, this week, earlier this week, that a, you know, some journalist somewhere was on campus last year and was handed the the tome that was the Mel Tucker brand standards document with all of the like the garbage gobbly book marketing speak that you would expect like yep. i think i think mel tucker was described as omni channel at one point in the, <laughs> in the document this is, well but this is where it's been revealed i mean this is now we know we know we were sold a bill of goods we were that's what we got mel tucker didn't know what the fuck he was doing he did wasn't effectual the only success he had was on the back of the greatest player to play college football of all time and 
that's it. And that's 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 what we've got. No Kenneth Walker, no Mel Tucker. And Doug the Walker Award winner, which we all agree. The best. Everyone knows. The Premier. greatest award premiere. Premier football award. So, all right, hold on. I don't want us to, we're going to, I want right, to stay yeah. on track. Yeah. I want to stay yeah. on track. Remainder of the season. Uh, we need to watch injuries, quote unquote injuries for the, uh, for the 14 rest. guys out, but Al, we've lost Alex Van Sumeran for the rest of the season. That's yeah. a loss. Well, the, the, the one thing I will say post game, Trey Mosley and JD Duplain were the only two people available from, from a player Perhaps. perspective yeah. that I, that I've seen anyway, maybe, maybe more work. They talked a lot about leadership. Now, Trey Mosley, I think, has historically been a lead-by-example guy and not like a lead-by-lead guy, uh, which is maybe what you need and want here. Um, It's going to be – that's going to be something that folks should keep an eye on as it relates to not only just who's on the field, but who's, like, vocal on the field. Mm -hmm. I I get the sense that maybe some of the younger guys that are here are bought in on Michigan State. I hope that's true because – as much as I want to fire a lot of people into the sun, your Dylan Tatum's, your Jordan Hulls, like I'm not looking for them to go. Yeah, um, sure. And so it, it it's reliant on a on an upper class that was largely the D'Antonio last D'Antonio class to be the ones that keeps culture around, whatever that looks like, whatever whatever the through line of Michigan State is that doesn't change coach to coach. That's what we need to keep. Um, but. But who Moving is that? Forward, I I don't know. I don't yeah. know who it is. I don't. And and you know what? Here's so let's move to going forward. Let's this season, for the program. Yeah, because I like we could be in big doo doo, or Washington could just be. Remember the time that we went to the college football playoff and we got trucked by Alabama? Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. this we're a not that good, but maybe we're not that bad either. Um, mm. We'll see. To your point, Jonesy and Plum, both of you, in evaluating, uh, you know, how this program is going to be this year, this next game is massive. Like, it really sucks that this Washington team was the bandsaw that we were running into while all of this stuff happens. What if instead it was this Maryland team coming in, a team that I think Talent wise, we might have an edge on and thus a much better chance of winning. I don't know that we do still anymore, but wouldn't it feel much better having a win after this, even if it was against a a lesser opponent? This is certainly a test of Harlan Barnett's leadership. This is like, this is how you evaluate a program is responding to the S show that we all just sat through. And if you were at Spartan stadium at the end of the day, at the end of the night, as some of us on this podcast were, <laughs> um, these, uh, this is when you earn your, your bona fides as a fan. Here's yeah, a question. Can you consume that whole shit sandwich? And who starts, who starts the game against Maryland? And why does it, fun. and why does it have to be Kate Hauser? Why does it absolutely have to be Kate Hauser? I'm really Is Sam Levitt going to get a look? <laughs> Frankly, well, because I want to go back to the leadership thing. I mean, I think Jones is absolutely right. If you're looking for D'Antonio era recruit through line leadership, it certainly isn't Noah Kim. 
and all 115 pounds of him, 125 pounds of him, uh, and that performance, you're you're not Noah Kim is not the guy who's going to be projecting some higher level. I mean, and Kate Hauser isn't either. Kate Hauser is 12 years old. But tell me in positions like on field leadership. If, if if your stature isn't going to help you, then your skill is what's left. I don't, I don't think no. Noah Kim getting happy feet after getting decked a couple times is also. I don't want I don't want to I don't want to pound on Noah Kim too hard, but um, yeah, you're that's that's sort of what I was getting at. Plum is that like I I'm conf- that the two dudes who out there Trey Mosley and JD Duplain don't strike me as leadership dudes. I know they're leaders in air quotes on this team, but like, well, and they've had to beg Trey Mosley to be a leader. And I can tell you who also isn't a leader. And that's the 14 guys on the out list for this week. I mean, that is not normal. And, and I, and I don't give any of them the benefit of the doubt. I don't think any of the names on that list were expected to be leaders though. Um, if memory serves from that list, I don't have it in front of me, but there, I mean, there is... you, I, I know Jared Mingham's young a little bit, Jalen Berger, Ma Nautete, Jared Jackson, Harold Joyner, the third. I mean, you've got some guy, Cole Dellinger, you've got guys who have been dependable, resourced. Uh, maybe they're not the guy, but they are, they're imperative to the team, a team that has zero depth to begin with. Uh, that was yeah, bad. We might, this might be a, a real problem in a few weeks. Of yeah. like, well, let's, oh, yeah. let's, let's put a pin on, on the list. Cause it is a uh, listeners. You got to watch it and, and we'll see what it is next week. And if, and importantly, we'll see if Harlan Burnett was not being truthful um, about yeah. a couple guys in particular, he said we're out. So moving forward for Michigan state as a program, you, you worry about the season list. That is a, a indicator of, roster turnover post to the program yes post this era uh there are a few things michigan state couldn't as we discussed be in better timing for making a hire and luckily harlan barnett they'll have an idea whether they want to move on him sooner rather than later right probably the next four games we'll know whether he's give him give him a minute because you don't you're not hiring someone before then that's not hiring so Maybe he turns it around. Like you got to give the dude a second. Um, you're going to see how much of the roster he loses, which is probably an indicator of who maybe we have next year. Now, importantly, there's logistically, there are some guys that you can and should expect for them to put their name in the roster sooner rather than later. Roster it transfer not- portal. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry. There's some guys in the roster you'd expect to put their name in the transfer portal sooner rather than later. That is does not mean they are leaving. It just means that they're just doing it to do it. Uh, Particularly if if they say that Harlan Barnett is not going to be the coach long term or that they're doing a coaching search. Don't be surprised if some dudes say, hey, contact me. I'm looking. Yep. But they may also say, hey, I'm also waiting to hear who Michigan State hires, who's being retained. Let's not all freak out the second someone puts their name in the portal. Um, but we've seen that. We've seen guys put their names in and come back. It, it happens. It's possible. Yeah. And let's also say that, you know, 
for every guy that goes in the portal, you get to recruit one. Mm-hmm. So we saw Dion do it. Yeah, I have a stretch goal for us to be the only sports podcast in the continental United States that does not talk about Colorado. Is that a stretch goal or is that just a deliberate omission? <laughs> uh, the so anyway, I, I don't. I, we're not going to have answers for a while, but it's clear Harlan Burnett has some growing to do, and. I think we'll know more about what we want to think about as by way of coach. Um, Like what you would want in a coach has something to do with the players that you're retaining Mm. to circle back to Kalen DeBoer in Washington. They had a defense that was already built in there. He came in, retained them and brought in an offense. And now you're seeing Washington as it exists now. Uh, Maybe we've got some dudes on defense. We just need to put an offense together. I don't know. Yeah, we do have some dudes on defense. That's why Washington just put up 713 yards. I, I think me, I, I've been a Scotty defender, and I think I finally hit the fire Scotty. All right. I, let's, are we? Yeah, we're done. We're kind of Tucker. getting into the program anyway. So shall we talk about Tucker? Yeah. The architect of the program's demise? Mm-hmm. Yes, let's do that. So... There's three buckets for Tucker here, and then we'll move on to not football. What we've learned since we chatted last, the weird stuff that has happened since, (laughs) and the leak. So, which probably falls into category B, but we're going to separate it out anyway. So, last week we came hard after the administration for their press conference. We came hard after the media for their participation in that press conference. And uh, we've learned a few things since then. The school still sucked for only taking three questions and for fucking a wonderful opportunity in front of them. Yep. The media apparently got together and huddled for a few minutes and said, we're only going to get three questions because the school told them that mm-hmm. and they separated them and Solari got called on first, which explains his football question. I say no excuses play like a champ. Mm-hmm. Y'all don't get a pass for playing by their rules when they didn't deserve it. Correct. And Solari don't be a dipshit. All, all of you, don't ask a football. If you only get three yeah. questions, say Whoever no, goes that's first. not good enough. Whoever goes yeah. first, you ask the question about the institution. And yes. you use those other questions as clarifiers if necessary. I also want to celebrate that's that the Graham. move in retrospect. We were a little bit hard on Graham last week. And Graham said on his podcast that he should have handled the, handed the mic uh, to the, yeah, the mic to Matt Macarini. Yes. Yes, you should. <laughs> like you all should have. You should have gotten called on, and then you should have said, I'm going to defer to my colleague back over here and just let him ask until, like, someone should have said this is unsatisfactory. Yeah. Yeah. So, we also And that would have benefited the university as well (laughs) in retrospect. What's wild in all of this is that you all asked follow-up questions because you are all good journalists, and you got some information there's some interesting absences from that information yep. that we're going to get to. Intentional omissions. But go ahead, Jones. Mm-hmm. So, no, Greg, actually, I think you might have the best bona fides on this. We learned 
who knew what when. Correct. We know now that uh, Alan Haller knew about the Title IX investigation and the name of the complainant in December. Can we clarify one thing for folks? Because I I do think uh, this has been a bit of a a debate and it's been a bit confusing and Michigan State makes it a bit confusing in their processes. Mm -hmm. So this technically is not a Title IX investigation. It is a sexual assault or sexual harassment rather invest it's a sexual harassment investigation mm-hmm. of a university vendor which falls under a university policy and follows the same procedures as a title nine investigation yeah they love so the same office in. that does title nine investigates it the same procedure is followed but it is not technically a title nine investigation we will likely on this podcast continue to use that as a shorthand but it's important for people to know. Sorry for interrupting. No, no, appreciate that. Uh, turns out also around that time, we'll go chronologically in December, the board or perhaps members of the board, still not clear, and the president were only notified that Mel Tucker was under an investigation, a conduct investigation. Mm-hmm. Then we move forward into July. That is when interim president uh, Sullivan, right? Woodruff? Sullivan. Woodruff, thank you. So Sullivan was the old, the old uh, provost um, from Virginia. Uh, Woodruff then learns the name of the complainant when the uh, when the draft was finalized. It is not clear when more details were given to Alan Haller. This is right around where I would expect maybe Alan Haller has some more information, but the university has been intentionally, I think, vague on this. This is probably our as a podcast one outstanding question of like when did alan haller know what What did alan know when did he know and what were his interim measures because he's been very vague about that too we also know that this is around the time where brenda tracy initially goes to usa today we also know that this is around the time where local uh local journalists i think we know brenda went before is it late june should have done, we should have done like a full timeline on this. But this is where the bushes really start to get shook around East Lansing to the point where Brenda Tracy and her lawyer are informed by the university several times that it has been subject to FOIA requests and requests for comment on this subject. And they're concerned that there will be a leak at some point. Then that was we go, late July. Late July. So yeah. it kind of just July generally is when all of this stuff is happening. Then we go forward to the night that all of us, all of our phones updated and alerted us at one in the morning. What we know right now, according to statements from the university, is that that is when Teresa Sullivan uh, learned the final details. Woodruff. Woodruff. I did it again. Teresa Woodruff, thank you, uh, learned the finer details of the case as well as the board. At this point, it is still not clear when... Uh, as we said, Alan Heller learned uh, and what he learned. Since then, also, there have been two statements um, from Brenda Tracy's side oh, and one statement from uh, from the man himself. Uh, and I will hand that off to someone else to speak for a moment. Jonesy, do you want to introduce probably first the Mel Tucker statement and then the, the two statements from Brenda Tracy's side? I mean, I... I- 
I guess I would say that they're all they would do well to not talk. Yes. Yes. Um, they would yes. all do well to not talk. And that's not me looking out for the institution. Honestly, it's looking out me as someone who at times has advocated for other human beings. I would tell them all to shut up. Mm-hmm. And I would also advise the board, Ms. Byram, shut up. All of you, shut up. <laughs> anyway. So Brenda came first, I think. No, Mel okay, came it was first. Mel, Tucker came, Mel first. came first with a delightfully unhinged statement that was almost certainly both drafted by a lawyer, but also against the advice of counsel at the same time. <laughs> so, and the reason I say that is because there are a handful of slide digs in there at uh, Brenda Tracy's mental health, which are certainly from a lawyer. Uh, because you may not like it, but that's their job. Mm-hmm. Uh, we on this podcast celebrate people going to see therapists and taking care of their mental health. It's a wonderful thing for people to do. Everyone should do it from time to time even. But as a former attorney, I can assure you, I'd mention she sees a therapist as well, <laughs> particularly when you name your therapist as a witness. As one of the witnesses, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, her witnesses are her other lawyer, a dead person, and her therapist. So uh, Mel Tucker says that he uh, that it was all consensual, that she could have hung up any time, uh, that he gave her two hundred fifty dollars directly via Venmo, that he gave her Air Jordans, and that he gave twenty five hundred dollars to her nonprofit. That they talked many times through the course of the night, and there's a lot that Mel Tucker says that you would read and you would say, huh. Okay, those are some interesting points, Mel. Oh, and that he was approached by her attorney to settle all of this. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, for a substantial it, sum, it could be made to go away, is, I, I think, yeah. basically mm-hmm. what he said. Yes. Yep. So, so you read Mel Tucker's statement and you say, hey, Mel, there's some interesting points here. Uh, well, real quick, USA Today fact checks all of that. And, uh, there are some things that Mel said are just absolutely not true. For instance, he said, I didn't fire her. I invited her to come back in January of 2023. That didn't happen. No, you did fire her Mel and you fired her after the phone sex thing. So it's weird. And, and plumb to your point last week, which uh, a coworker who listens to the podcast, which has me mortified said the conversation we had around consent was one of the best that he'd heard. In fact, actually said Lawrence v. Texas maybe should have been better understood through a consent standard than anything ah, else. Wow. Um, but uh, the to your point, if you're paying her, she can't consent. Uh, so anyway, Mel releases this statement. Then Brenda Tracy comes back and says... Uh, via her lawyer at first. Via her lawyer that... Uh, and not the and, one that's one of her character witnesses. A no. lawyer. That oh, and Mel also listeners of the pod will will know. Yeah. It's it actually it, it is a little bit important that Mel says that the process in front of him is intended to adjudicate student issues. That it's largely largely a sham. There's not an opportunity to cross examine, and uh, or that present no one has, side of the story is what he says. Yeah, and that there's no one who has to be uh, uh, present because they can appear via Zoom. Uh, I, I would push back against Mel here. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
this isn't a court of law. It is a hearing, but it is not a court of law. And you did get a chance to present your side of the story. It's the one where you said you jerked off on the phone with a person you were paying. Like, that's the side of the story you presented, Mel. Shut up. Shut up. Anyway, moving on, Brenda. Brenda puts out her statement and says uh, that an outside source uh, leaked her name and that that's what led her to go to USA Today to protect herself. She had to clarify something in there. I'm forgetting what she had to clarify, but there was definitely a misstatement in her uh, in her story. It doesn't matter because she later clarified it. Um, her story also doesn't fully check out. Uh, and, Correct. And, and, and that's not to say, again, we want to reiterate the perspective of this pod is that Mel Tucker yeah. here is wrong. Wrong. That he's right. not capable of achieving consent, which is why it doesn't make sense that Brenda Tracy should say anything if I'm being an advocate yes. for her. Just don't talk. But uh, it certainly the timeline doesn't totally match up with her when she likely went to USA Today and when the supposed leak happened. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's worth mentioning. Yeah. And I think it's also yep. worth mentioning what she claims her motivations for going to USA Today are. Did seem a little revisionist. Yeah. <laughs> in retrospect. Yeah. So. Again, I want to really reiterate the po- the position of this pod is Mel Tucker is wrong. So Brenda, stop. Yep, you don't yep. need to say any of this because it's also it, it is there it is a, a this is likely like many human relationships. Yep. Very complicated. There it seems like there's a lot going on here. We have a person wildly unsatisfied in his marriage who did some things he shouldn't have, did it on university time with a university vendor, maybe got confused. Like, I don't know. He shouldn't have done it. He's the person who's wrong here. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's what's happened since on the crazy front. Again, oh, and then, yes, the leak. And then Diane Byram, Lynn Diane Byram, says, (laughs) former board chair says that uh, they're going to get to the heart of this leak. I don't even know what that means. What does that read, mean? If you read the actual statement from Tracy's lawyer, it just says an outside source. She does not accuse the university mm. of being the leaker. Yeah. yeah. Which is weird that she got defensive, right? It is strange. It Her... We're called can't read, can't write, but like, is she doing the work for us? When Diane Byron makes a statement like that, it sure does make it sound like she thinks it's a university leak. You could have added more, you know, more to your statement about we have no reason to believe that it's a university leak, but we want to make sure that if it is, we've found it. Yeah. Then you go on. But that just like all the other statements from the university, Mm -hmm. Little extra clarifications were omitted throughout. So they had so many opportunities. What's you omit information when you already know the answer to it. Correct. Right. So this is the challenge. This is why we still don't know what Alan knew and when he knew it. This is why we have reason. You know, it's not unfair to surmise that the calls coming from inside the house (laughs) to 
ESPN or whomever uh, breaking Brenda's uh, identity. This is unsurprising given this university that we all love. This is the shit fucking sandwich that we all as fans will continue to eat probably forever uh, because we have a bunch of fucking assholes running the show who are inept, incompetent, and generally hate themselves as much as they hate the university apparently because their conduct continues to prove uh, that they are abhorrent and miserly. I don't know. Yeah, miserly. Miserly. Can we can we take a, sell, a second though to I, I don't know that the the fan base the alumni you know we don't take enough time to uh, there's two things I, I want to do here I want to I want to look critically at ourselves yeah. and how we got here but I do want to take a second to say that we were largely quick to turn on Mel all not you know this podcast gets a lot of shit for some virtue signaling and blah 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 blah. Uh, generally being snowflakes, whatever, I don't care. But the the fan base at large quickly turned on Brunel, that yeah. he was wrong, that it didn't it didn't matter. It just didn't matter. Yeah. What what were you doing? Stop. You like you no excuses, get out. And so I want to celebrate our alumni everywhere, the the large and vocal majority of them who were like, no. Nope. Not this bullshit. Bye. Also, mm. done with the bullshit at the board. Bye. And like, you mean there's a leak? I don't care who it was. Bye. Yep. Like, this all should be run by the book, which is why we were so frustrated last week. And and believe it or not, that there are a great number of phone calls that happened in the interim where we were screaming. They had the opportunity to shout how different things were. Right. Not mm. read a poem, but actually shout about how things were different. And I think one of the things we have to make clear is pending better understanding of what Haller knew and when, and pending the nature of this leak, if we ever do find out, maybe there is like this. this but they might have done this right. Operative. It, right now, it sounds like they followed it pretty well. And actually reading some of these follow-up USA Today articles from the same author that released the first one, Mr. Jacoby? Jake? Uh, yeah, Kenny Jacoby. Kenny Jacoby. Honestly, like, I was impressed that the university office running this were going to Brenda Tracy and her counsel, letting them know, like, we're getting we're getting hammered over here on this mm-hmm. over the course of the summer. Like, there are you know FOIA requests coming in. We're getting requests for comment. Like, they did the, things I, to protect her. The (laughs) idea that this university was able to run a Title IX investigation starting in December for leading properly in July as it was meant to, even in spite of it sounds like uh, Mel Tucker doing everything he can to uh, to push it and delay. And then getting this far, I got to say that, like, honestly, this is a small town here in East Lansing. And especially... Mm -hmm. Once she goes to USA Today and folks start getting this information and local media starts to know a thing or two, honestly, that puts a great additional pressure on the comms department at the university. And then there's a lot of revisionist history, I think, going on with this as well. The difference between knowing 
that something was going on with Mel Tucker, which was where we were in the rumor space. And then knowing that there was a title nine investigation. Yeah. And again, we're using that as wide chasm involving, involving specifically Brenda Tracy. There's a <laughs> huge gap between those two things. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be one leaker with a dossier at the grand river garage meeting with someone, you know, for those two to sort of come together, it can be, you know, thousands of cuts and putting little pieces together over time um, that can that can do this. So I think it's important. And, and we got some pushback, too, about like, if you had this stuff about Mel Tucker, why don't you go with it? Because it was rumored at the time. Like, we weren't looking at divorce proceedings between the yeah, two. Also- and then also, it's not relevant until you know. It's not relevant. And there's a big difference between a leak and a rumor and, and what's confirmed and what's not. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's a good call. The university did well here. Um, the, or maybe it didn't. We might find out yeah, that it didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Still, we, a, there's a big old asterisk next to that statement. Ostensibly, they did well, though. And we should, we should take a pause. Uh, the, and, and I think our... our our fan base, our alumni did pretty well in what we hope for, aspire for, for our university, yeah. which is where I want to circle back to, and then we'll move on. But I think it's, it's fair to navel gaze for a second here, Let's. As, as I think we all should do, about what was our role in creating a, a cult of personality. Yeah. And, and I, I do... I think we should celebrate the win first because it couldn't have been that big of a cult of personality if we were happy to cut bait that quickly. But it, it is clear uh, the university covered up Mel Tucker photos. Uh, his signature was on all of the branding uh, of any image that came out for Michigan State football. There was a lot of Mel Tucker happening. So did we play a part in that? Do we have, when we hire a new coach, are we going to come differently at, at, at how we talk about and look at them? Uh, because it did seem like Mel Tucker's public persona was important for recruiting. Yeah. Right. I, and we want to win. We want to win. To be clear, this podcast wants to win. We, we had a, over here uh, in the house, my wife and I had a, conversation very similar to this and we agreed that it may have been retrospect been a mistake to move such a substantial portion of our savings and retirement into nf tuck um, <laughs> so i i want to say that we've evaluated this we will we will do better we check and, on check on what nf tuck's trading for and, right and now we have please. bought the dip and if you want some nf tuck you know let me know <laughs> it's on the market reach out do reach out dear listener um, but I mean, the real question is, do we change, if you want to have this conversation, do we change the way that we talk about Tom Enzo? Mm. Uh, we criticized last week. Let's get our, let's give ourselves credit. How many this. years do you think needs to go by without hearing about a scandal? Cause I know U of M ran into this. Mm. They built the statue. Yeah. And then it comes out. But then you don't get rid of the statues, apparently. They're well, I'd like to believe that we at this university would get rid of the statue. I'd, I'd like to believe that. 
Sparty NFT is still live. Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> Buy it now. Plum, I, I'm curious about this. It, like, so do you think we we played a role in Tucker? Is was it wrong to play a role in Tucker? And Greg raises a really good point. Izzo's a goddamn legend. And and anyone who's objectively like, I have to pick my my dream and uh my dream Big Ten team. I'm drafting it, right? Any given year. You're not drafting a coach that's not Tom Izzo. Right. From the Big Ten. Sure. Like anybody. Well, anybody. No, no, everyone in Ann Arbor will draft Juwan Howard because they're mentally ill. But I don't think they will. Okay. I think people who know basketball would take Tom Izzo. Well, the people who know basketball, but that's not very many people in Ann Arbor. I, you know, I, I think, I think, um, that's a lot of questions. Uh, yeah. So first, do we I, play a role? Second. Uh, yeah. I'm going to separate Tom Izzo. Let's separate Tom Izzo. Uh, yeah. Did we play a role in this? Yeah, everyone played a role in this. This isn't, but, but I don't know if that's a bad thing. We got to separate from it then. What do you well, learn from I, it? Well, uh, first, every human individual is accountable for the things that they do, which includes non-consensually masturbating on phone calls with rape survivors. You can't do that when you're in a position of power over them. <laughs> That's separate from an organization building the stature of their chief executive so that they can be successful in their field. Um, the truth is that and, – and, and, and I want to go back to – and I, you know, this is maybe a, a sort of out of the, the loop here a little bit. Although I'm grateful that Mark D'Antonio is back, let us not forget that Mark D'Antonio was one of the reasons why we have Mel Tucker. In fact, Mark D'Antonio is the reason why we have Mel Tucker, which isn't to say that we it was bad, but it is to say that we didn't have the opportunity for the kind of effective coach search that we deserved because yeah. Mark was holding on for the end of a month so he could make a little more bag. That's horseshit that didn't serve the program well, that was Mark D'Antonio's selfishness. Now, we can blame the contract writers, and we should, but let's and, still— And Bill Beekman for not saying, hey, I'll give you that now. I'll just give it to you now if you're going to be going. And 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 so, but, you know, he was the secretary of the Board of Trustees. Who expected him to know anything about athletics? The answer was nobody. So my point is that we didn't have options— so what we could do, we did do for Mel Tucker. And and what I give credit to everybody for is jumping on the bandwagon to build up Mel Tucker's stature, to build up his panache, to get him the credibility that many programs would have made their coaches work for for years. Because the truth yeah. is the product on the Good field point. was never, ever, ever commensurate with the hype. And we overlooked it. Because of canine, we overlooked it and said, well, some of it's coaching and some of it's the rest of the player groups and canine couldn't possibly have done all of it by himself. But in fact, in fact, now we can see that the pandemic year was, uh, you know, again, you can't really hold that against him, but it portended a lot of truth that we've been living in now last season. And certainly where we're going this season, Mel Tucker couldn't recruit and the, the gimmicks, the G wagons on the field, the big dogs, the stacks of pancakes on the ground, all of it was hype. It was empty fucking hype. And so at the end of the day, good on us. Good on us. We did what we had to do, and I hope we'll do it again. But it is not unfair for us to have some measure of accountability built in. What we cannot do is offer a $95 million contract for 10 years to a coach guaranteed with no fucking 
evidence to demonstrate that that's an, that that's actually acceptable. Um, and that's where we really fucked ourselves. And so in some ways, thank God Mel is as stupid as he is ineffectual because, oh my God. I, oh my God. It's, uh, Greg, do you, you got anything on that? Uh, I've been looking at all the owners of, of Spartan NFT, um, during this time. So, um, a better use of your time. Yes. Uh, I, I do think that we definitely, I would expect that the next coach does not get a contract that looks like this after one season. So Tom Izzo's, if correct me if I'm wrong for the bulk of his career, anyway, Mm -hmm. a lot of his has been largely incentive based and he made a ton of money. He's, he's Mm -hmm. done very well for himself, but, He's taking a lot, uh, like, I wonder to what degree that becomes the future of, of coaching contracts that, mm. Hey, Hey bro, you, you take a school playoff. We'll, we'll give you a lot of money. Yeah. His has we'll- been tough because his peer group, like a coach K Duke is a private university. So it's hard to tell you can't where tell. he sits in his peer group, but he he had a pretty high base. He had a uh, for a basketball coach, especially like ten yeah. years ago. He had a pretty high base at the same time. Yeah, MSU is willing to pay. Uh, oh yeah, but uh, yeah, I don't think this is going to happen again. Not not in a guaranteed way for the next guy that has an eleven win season. Uh, all right. I think we'll know more going forward. We'll have this is going to be. Uh, we're going to be talking about this every week unfortunately. Uh, do we want to chat about anything else before we move on? I have one more. I got one more stick of my craw. Plum saying ah, no. There it is. No, do there it. There have been some statements made that the university should have parted with Tucker. And these are statements from people of high repute, statements mm-hmm. from people that you would know. I'm choosing not to name them right now. Uh, but published cool. in like the AP and other sources that basically once they were told the university was told that Mel Tucker engaged in this behavior, he admitted to it with a, uh, with a third party related to the university, he should have been fired immediately. My issue with it is that that information was given to a third party investigator and firewalled from the people that would make that decision. And you cannot have it both ways both ways which do you want do you want there to be an impartial third party that is managing this process or do you want everyone at msu to have that information to action on it immediately it's a bad faith argument to me that you that that both should exist at the same time because it's impossible and those that person's a lawyer greg yes those statements have come from people that should know that i'm concerned that they're operating in bad faith and I'm oh. concerned about <laughs> the media outlets and the writers that would choose to continue to publish it, or at least not push back on it to some degree, and to just that, and to that, just that publish those statements. Individual gets unabated access to the media by virtue of is but, right. is strange. It's this I've seen this in multiple places though. And I'm it, looking at one particular AP article right now that you're talking that I think you're yes. talking about. But yes, yeah. I've seen that argument in multiple places, and it's impossible that the universe. Yeah, what, like, what do you want? Do you want them to have done? And that's that's our point: is that it seemingly 
They did the opposite. And in fact, what is recommended as a way to advocate for survivors, th- th- they did the right thing here, seemingly. We, we have some outstanding questions. I want to be very, very clear. We'll point that, the asterisks again. That next week, I could wildly change my opinion on this. But seemingly, they did this by the book and the way that it's supposed to be done to make sure for a fair process and a one that is, it is sensitive and empathetic to survivors of sexual assault and sexual yep. harassment. And so for, for, for folks, we'll call it just folks, who maybe have a meaningful platform in this, to want it both ways is just wild. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Now we can, I got that off my chest. Now we can move on. Do we want to go off Grand River? Uh, I want to go off Grand River for one quick second because we have a whole bunch of new listeners. So I just want to say that for the second time in three weeks, UNC had an active shooter drill and fucking guns suck. Buy guns. That's all not, I not B-U-Y. B-U-Y-E. Bye-bye. Or buy them and then burn them. I don't care, but yeah. get rid of guns. Uh, because that, 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 is, that is a whole bunch of freshmen who moved in who are in the middle of their second iteration of Welcome Week because they had to take time off because of the last fucking shooting. Mm-hmm. And and as a Spartan, if you, you sh- I hope all of our new listeners were deeply bothered last February, and it shook them to their core. And you should place yourself back in the shoes of of someone who's on yep. that campus, and it is crushing. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, real quick, then let's go to a Maryland uh, game preview because as we've agreed, this is make or break for the team. So. It got our undivided attention this preview. It's some solid Googling. As it deserved. God, I have not watched any Maryland games. Are you crazy? Uh, they, they are currently 3-0. and uh, They just beat Virginia 42-14. to However, a couple caveats to that. A couple things Virginia's that you need bad. To Virginia's horrible. They have already lost to George Mason. And oh. not a basketball thing. It's a football thing. George Mason. And this bad Virginia team did go up 14 to nothing on Maryland in the first quarter before then, you know. What? Shitting the pants for the remainder of the way? Then Maryland scored 42 unanswered points and and one kind of going away. So uh, the good news is this was not Maryland's first slow start. The bad news is they still have a head coach, which is something other programs um you know, aspire to right now. So Michael Oxley brings in, uh, as we all know, baby to Tug of Lavoa, Tug of Valoa. Sure. Do you, Plum, give me no, the that, pronunciation. You, you got it. You got it. You got it. You got it. Um, who has been kind of fine this year. So uh, he's doing a good job spreading the ball around, but the, the end metrics have not been overwhelmingly impressive. Yeah. They also have three backs that do a pretty good job of sharing the ball. Um, and some of them, depending on where you look at different amounts of heat, but uh, Kobe McDonald was the dude against Virginia. He played really well, put up some, some very good yardage. So um, their defense did have a couple of picks against Virginia, but that was against a very inexperienced quarterback. But also at the same time, the Spartans have a very inexperienced quarterback. So I would say, what has to happen in this game is 
We do the same as Virginia. Get out to a big start. Uh, as far as I'm aware, uh, this has happened in each one of the, the Maryland games. Get out to a big start, but keep it. Don't be a garbage team. And that is going to be the secret to this game. Ooh. Taking the opportunities when they're presented and not letting Maryland kind of pull away with it. And that is Kevin's keys to the contest. All right. Let's Meaning. move on. That, I think that's going to catch on. Kevin's Key, keys. Kevin's keys to the contest. There's going to be like there's going to be gray beards in the stands, just talking about. Do you hear the latest keys to the contest? And then someone else is like, "From Grooch," hmm. uh, and then they'll they'll get to talking, and the stadium will be empty as it is in the uh, fourth quarter. <laughs> All right, let's do these Twitter questions then. All right, first up, listener Mike Jones. We should probably end all beer sales right now. We clearly need hard liquor in the stadium. Greg, you have connections. Can you get me a meeting? Oh, uh, I can get you in. I can get you in the building, Mike Jones. You bring you bring a couple of those boxes that you've dropped off on our on our porches, and I, I think we can. I think I can get you in over there at eighteen fifty five place. I got to replug, by the way, because I had some of the Liberator gin tonight. Oh yes. All right. Next up, Jones. Do you think you can? Uh, do you think Harlan can find his dudes this week? I hope mm. Harlan has dudes. This yeah, does week. Harlan have dudes? <laughs> does he even have guys? I mean, my uh, they're hanging out at TBD on campus. Uh, no, they're all pretend injured. So let's not do that anymore, please. And mm. then finally, from the Mike Jones, uh, that was just an awful hangover from a roller coaster week, right? We all know we aren't good, but we aren't that bad. I think TBD. I think this was a sum of all fears scenario. Really good team comes in under bad circumstances and hangs the most yards in program history. Yeah. Um, it's how you react to this now, Harlan Barnett, is how history will judge you. Prove me wrong. Next up, uh, from Andrew Gardner. Uh, assuming hypothetically the Tucker stuff didn't happen, do we really think this game would have been meaningfully better? I, I think we I think we talked about that. I, I think the answer is no. Uh, the emperor had no clothes. This would have been maybe a little closer early. Uh, but no, the, the score might have been marginally less bad. Maybe you have a few guys on the sit list who actually didn't need to sit who would have been there. Uh, it's we were still going to lose and solidly. Yeah. Next up, Ev Marie, is there anything good we can take from this horrible game? Oh wow, Ev Marie coming back with a banger. Um, uh, here I'm going to go with Kaiten Hauser's touchdown. Okay, and it's not that he scored a touchdown, and it's not that he fumbled once he was in there, but <laughs> it is that he willingly dove headfirst in to get a touchdown, and I think that's the difference between a quarterback who's 185 and a quarterback who's 225. Mm. So. Uh, I saw Brian Lewerke at the bar this week, and as we all recall on this on this podcast, Brian Lewerke is the Wildcat. Uh, that dude weighs more than than one eighty five. Now I know that he's much older than Noah Kim, but he was built like a dude that looked like a big time quarterback, maybe a little Greg, short, but built. I can't believe you had the audacity to say that he's a little short. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he's shorter than me. I stood next he, to the man. Yeah, there and, it is. And you are who you are. Greg, I'm very curious. Uh, we're going to do a little inside baseball, a little behind the scenes. Would you ever have Brian Lewerke on this podcast? 
let's not tell our listeners about other podcasts that are available, Michael. That doesn't sound like a sound uh, business. I, did, I didn't say anything about another podcast that's available. I asked merely, <laughs> would you have him on this one? You're the one who couldn't prevent yourself from just... Everyone forget what you just heard. Next up, from Spartan18771, what do we do now? Two. Two. What do we do now? Three. What do we do now? <laughs> and four. There's only there's only three questions. Uh, Greg Plum. Fuck Michigan. <laughs> there are some I, things that don't change. Yeah. Uh, what we do now is we just pray for a something to be excited about this time next week after homecoming. Uh, next up from Spartan JD, will anyone average more points per game on our team than Tyson Walker this year? Go win basketball. I, Turn I think that's what we do now. That's what we do now. <laughs> I think uh, the expectation is no, right? Because Tyson Walker was our biggest point getter last season. And I mean, yeah, there's no reason that Jay Nakins can't accomplish what he needs to accomplish while also allowing Tyson Walker to do what he needs to do. Yeah. I mean, Jay Nagins would be the one that you would look at, right? So one of those two. Um, but I think it'll still be, I mean, some of those shots that he makes uh, are so pure. So I, I'm going to stick with Tyson Walker as our leading scorer this upcoming season. Yeah. Next up, Next up Tyler up, Anderson. Oh, Taylor. go ahead. Taylor Anderson says, why did I let myself think, uh, possibly think we could get anything other than the result we got tonight? Because I you're a Spartan. My, I talked myself into it. Yeah, you're a Spartan, and, and and we all, you know, hope always springs eternal for us, despite all of the overwhelming evidence to the contrary, which we have absolutely been deluding ourselves in. Maybe that's another upside to this, to Ev Marie's question. Maybe the other upside to this is we'll finally start grappling with the reality that we scream at every other school, particularly those in Ann Arbor, for not doing. Uh, we've certainly had our heads in the fucking sand over the last four years. So, well, if I may put my head in the sand, if Washington laid a big old egg. Maybe something else happened. Like, but as long as Washington was playing its game, this was going to happen no matter what. Fine. I also, uh, I, like, our next questioner is Ali, and he put out a tweet about what his fandom looks like. And I, I don't know if I sent it to you, Plum, but it was like berating players in the stand. Uh, and, and, but the fact of the matter is, is that, like, this podcast... Uh, we do this because we're massive fans. We love this school. Correct. We Correct. want the school to win. Uh, and and so I, I, I think just it, Greg will make fun of me about one of my favorite games of all time is a loss. But it is like, I don't know, because you think you can win. That's that's the point. I remember every preseason sitting down with a, a friend of ours from from college. Every year looking at the schedule and being like, we can win that game. We can win that game. Win. 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 I see nine and three, ten and two on the schedule. Every year. Every year. It was a lot of fun, though, in that Rose Bowl year where you could sit down and look at the schedule. And actually, you could take them The years I'm talking about are the John L. years, Greg. Next up uh, from Taylor Anderson, if I set the over under on roster turnover before the next season at 51%, who's taking what? I'm going under. I mean, if it's not under, we're in big shit. Are we saying of guys that we expected to retain? So not like graduating seniors. Yeah. 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 That kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Retain. Um, 
you're going to go under as in less turnover than that? Yes. I think I'll also go under. It's a massive amount of turnover. Yeah. If we lose half the roster on retainables, we're, this is not a, we're a D2 program. And I, and I think, well, or you've brought in a coach that is such a wild departure. Like it, as much as it would be funny to troll Colorado to take their, their coach again. Uh, and that would be very funny to be clear. <laughs> be so funny, but I don't want the Dion iteration of this. Like in the same way that Cal Halliday and Noah Kim and JD Duplain and Nick Samak and Trey Mosley all stuck around as much as we bemoaned them earlier. Like that's a through line of being a Spartan mm-hmm. and, and you need some of those people. You need that. And Correct. so I, I think there's, and, and we're a have, we're not a have not like this is a place to be. We're a destination. So, and there are some guys that are going to stick around like a, you can say with a high level of certainty, like a Darius snow who came back into the game. We, we didn't even talk about talk. Darius snow. Yeah. Oh, should have talked about so that. incredible mm-hmm. snow. Incredible. Stop mm. it. All right. We're moving on. Um, next up from, Oh, I'll let someone else read this one. Bi-weekly host power rankings from, from Ali. Ali. Number three, Ali says, is me. Plum, you were in Chicago, you fucker. <laughs> Two, Jonesy, you enabled the number one. One, Greg, you showed out this weekend. You and your wife's very tall boyfriend were awesome. Uh, yes. Her boyfriend. Uh, her boyfriend is, like I said, we're, we're really warming up to one another. And he's a swell guy and a... Very handsome. Uh, I, I got to hang with Ali a little bit this week. I was very proud to be part of his uh, his vacation from uh, Seattle to East Lansing. Uh, I hope that it was enjoyable under the circumstances, Ali. And thank you so much uh, for letting me kind of crash yells thing at PTs and then also hang with you at the at the various tailgates. So. Uh, fantastic time and we look forward to making this a habit sir yes uh, big 10 habit yes yep next up from that- ali that was embarrassing i think he's referring to hanging out with you no question <laughs> that sucked donkey dick <laughs> yeah uh, it's ambiguous but i think we know what he's referring to <laughs> uh next up as it relates to the podcast who salvages this dumpster fire Again, coming hard for you, Greg. <laughs> are we the dumpster fire? I think he's talking about the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah clearly we are. Obviously yeah. we are. Um, next up from Thomas Ambiasi, will Washington be the new most dreaded opponent once they join the Big Ten? Well, certainly uh, as much as I enjoy my interactions with their fans, um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't care for them at the moment. I'm not pleased with them right now. Correct. I don't want them here. That's right. But let's all remember Michael Penix is graduating. Yep. Or is I, it- I, I think, I think I, he's yeah. got to get a job eventually. The bad man can't hurt us anymore. <laughs> uh, next up from Thomas, should MSU avoid a high profile coaching hire to minimize the consequences of ego and power that we're seeing right now? Or will those be risks regardless due to the nature of the role? These this kind of gets to the heart of everything that but- we've been discussing. 
Yeah, it's a risk the, regardless. Here's but. the thing, though, it, that Mel Tucker was hired under the worst of circumstances. He That's was the among the list of people who were available at a time when no one was available. And he hired a staff of coordinators that were available at a time when no one was available. And then he paid so, him a lot of money, and then they didn't become better and start to just, earn it. Which Just remember, Mel Tucker had a Division One coaching gig that he was comfortable in, that he was theoretically happy at, where, where they liked him. He was able to get whatever he wanted out of the university in, in the moment of our greatest weakness and need and back up the Brinks truck we did for no reason. And this goes back to fumbling the bag. My God, it is hysterical to me how badly Mel shot himself in the penis over this. So I, I, that's, I guess that's just your point, Jones. It's to, to Thomas's question. This is this is the risk regardless. The nature of the role, the nature of recruiting, yeah. the nature of NIL, the nature of the portal, the nature of the game now requires a coach who is bigger than life. And we're going to have to – that's just what we have. That's we got to figure out a system now that there's can, we can marry high risk, high reward, and high accountability. Uh, and God, this school does not – not good at all of those things. Well, he offers a solution here. Is taking Rutgers to a title in year one in NCAA 12 enough of a reason for me and my brother to offer ourselves and our services as co-head coaches? <laughs> I mean, at least Co- co-defensive coordinators. Yeah. Or offensive. If you can say. get the right number of guys on the field, uh, I'm willing for you to take over special teams mm-hmm. effective immediately. If Jim <laughs> Bowman can do it, then you can too. Uh... Next up, uh, Joe Ashworth. Why, God, why? <laughs> well, I'm as the God man here. Please say more. Uh, because we've earned it. This is uh, our, uh, in good Catholic theology here, our penitence has been insufficient to appease our angry God, who is right, right to a- be angry at us. <laughs> our for, angry God. For, for our uselessness. Yeah. Next up uh, from Joe Ashworth. Are you comforted at all by the fact that Washington literally didn't try in the second half and in doing so saved us from the embarrassment of allowing a thousand yards of offense and a hundred points. And this is the great indignity. Yeah. This is the great. Yeah, indignity. I take no comfort in this knowledge. No, no, no. Remember that rumor that Ryan day said he was going to put up a hundred on Harbaugh and then Ryan day ended up being mid. Uh, they could have put up a hundred. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Terrifying. And finally, from Joe Ashworth, is it weird that I'm still very optimistic? Like yes. hindsight being 2020, how else did we think this yes. game was going to go? It was our worst nightmare like starting that. Sunday at 1 a.m. I think this team has too much pride and is going to figure out how to show some improvement next week. I want to be me, clear. Give, give me 24 more hours and I'm with you. I hope so. And I hope you're right about this team. I want to be wrong. I will say this. If any single one of those guys on the injury list is not back, except for the three that are out for the season, I don't think that they should even be allowed to go into the transfer portal. And I think any school that would take them should know exactly what kind of person that they are. Um, and that's old man shouting it proud. Yep. As if to offer us a perfect foil to that question from Joe Ashworth, Nate C asks, how long will fans fool themselves into thinking we'll ever be good at football? <laughs> Forever. Forever, Nate. Forever. Uh, hope it springs eternal. And next from Nate C, if no one stays, how do we play football? This has been on my mind a little bit. It's rude. Uh, there's, there's some people who won't be able to leave. 
There, right. We've got some folks trapped. Trapped. Stuck with us. Stuck with us. Uh, and then finally, kind of continuing on that, Nate C asks, will anyone stay after October? A few people. <laughs> uh... I want to head to our friends at the Are You Screw podcast. If you ever want a Rutgers podcast, I promise you, you should listen to this one. Hi, how bad are things with you guys? Like, do you expect to lose to us? I know that there was shadowing happening uh, this uh, this week. Uh, Here's in the Rutgers thing. Land. I'm really sorry. We love you all. Truly love, love these guys. No one expects to lose to Rutgers. Yeah. <laughs> you do, you are an unserious program. I mean, they, they did just beat Virginia Tech. I'm unserious. You know who would have been starting for Virginia Tech right now? Oh, Noah Kim. Wow. wow. Way to bring it around. Noah Kim would be starting at Virginia Tech right now if we hadn't stolen him. Dude, people are oh. saying. Next up from Jer Bear, should Harlan Barnett climb Mount Kilimanjaro next this week? No, no but That's, Scotty Hazelton and Jay Johnson should without oxygen. Uh, no, that that uh, Jer Bear is reserved for peak recruiting season when you do those types of antics. <laughs> for those for those who maybe not know, because I think it's worth filling people in on the joke. Uh, John L. Smith, pre Mark D'Antonio coach, this every year. He would take a trip somewhere special, peak recruiting season. And his last, I think his last one, was it his last one? I think so, I think, yeah. Or second to last one. And he talked about taking his cowboy boots with him, I believe. (laughs) Woof. That guy sucks. Anyway, sorry. And still, still a better coach than Melvin Tucker. So (laughs) do with that what you want. Speaking of great coaches, Jerbear asks, is Scotty Hazelton aware of the middle third of the field? <laughs> so this is I a do- philosophical difference between Mark D'Antonio and because people would say, is Mark D'Antonio aware that the outer two thirds exist? Correct. That, that is a thing people would say. I think Mark D'Antonio might be right in the argument here, though. It's harder to throw the ball far away. Oh, and then a big question from Jer Bear. Just three weeks left until distraction. Does football win before hockey starts? Yes. Yes, Yes. we have to win once. If we don't win once in the next three weeks, we will go to in seven, eight. We go to Iowa, and and going to Iowa is tough, but Iowa is not capable of scoring points. So there's until Until Kirk Farron said, hold my beer. Yeah, you're looking at a real red box bowl situation going on. So, <laughs> out in the we won field. that. Next All right, up. next up, Tyrone Couch, number one. After making the only fans in the stadium joke, my impressions have skyrocketed. Sadly, it is from bots trying to get me to click their same dating profile. It is about as overwhelming as 30 seconds of Penix throwing balls at your face. Yeah. Yeah, well done. Well done. Two, I teach half my day in Spanish. My students have started saying, oh, my gato, to be less offensive. I'm sure I will say that in public and look like an idiot, and I embrace that moment as I wear my MSU hat today. The abbreviation oh my G, uh, OMG dates actually dates back to 1917. 
Now you now know. You really? Know. Wow. Thank you. And three, okay. rant of the week, Pakak. <laughs> MFN abysmal. Constant buffering and ended with four minutes left in the game. Dinner breakout, me behind. I don't know. Uh, I paid six fifty seven for that. Already canceled. It is the worst streaming app ever. They should pay me to watch it. Plus, the game was asshole surgery level bad. <laughs> I have some bad news. Uh, so, Pakak was way behind on you, Greg. Uh, yeah. But me sitting there in the stands, looking at it, beholding it, drinking it in. It was exceptionally you. bad. But uh, uh, everyone buckle up because Pakak will be streaming some basketball games as well. Goo. Yeah. Next up, Sports Ball Joey asks, I'm still processing the pod from months ago where Jonesy believes his palate, the one that doesn't like mushrooms or seafood, is superior to Grek because Grek drinks Soylent. I enjoy all three, mushrooms, seafood, and Soylent, preferably all blended. So what does that make me? A connoisseur from the Matrix. You you do the lion's mane, like coffee blend or coffee substitute thing. Plus just like you're huffing fish oil. I don't know. I'm I'm so happy that we have someone out there that has like a character map of us with all of our. Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And and says, I see that Greg and I empathize with him. With him. Yeah, that's a good point and hurtful. Next up from Sportsball Joey, <laughs> has my worry about not tackling in practice been vindicated? Holy attempted arm tackles the whole Washington game. The thing is, I think other programs do the same thing in an attempt to make sure that folks actually make it to the games. And, and, and that tackling. worked out really well for us. Yeah. I, I also want to celebrate Joey, Sportsball Joey here for, I don't know if it was an intentional misspelling of holy, but because it wasn't with the WH, it was as if on a prayer, these holy tackles were just like a wing and a prayer, truly. And finally, from Sports Paul Joey, do we think that Hauser going in when he did is perhaps saying something more than just giving him PT? Played basically the whole fourth quarter with a pretty solid goal of not letting the Spartans get shut out. Okay, let's just be clear. Washington had three blind kids on the field during the yeah. last quarter. So, uh, you know, I don't know if that's a great, but but that said. But it, do you want to, if if you're looking, if, if, if you're Harlan Barnett and you're like, I may not be here anymore. Yeah. Do you want to give one of these other kids a chance? Yeah, you have to. I think that's right. Yep. I, I, we'll see. I think it's going to be Noah Kim this season until otherwise noted. I don't think what happened in the fourth quarter changes the dynamics of the, of the offense. Do you guys like, honestly, do we think we're in a quarterback competition again? All of a sudden? Noah Kim was bad. I I mean, I I don't, I don't know that we are, uh, but I don't know that you can look at what was performed and say, let's do more of that. It's again, it's failure of leadership on every level, but the kid was so outclassed and did not rise to the occasion in any sort of meaningful way. I mean, he didn't even put up seven. Like that's just not, or six. That's just not, that's just not good. All right. Next up, John Hubbard. When Jonesy mentioned the poem Ozymandias last week, 
Was he referring to the version by Percy Bysshe Shelley or Horace Smith? While familiar in theme, there is a distinction in the way the two highlight the ephemeral nature of human works that should be taken into consideration. Uh, I believe I was referencing Horace Smith. Now I'm like... Uh... Yeah, John, what's the name of the podcast, John? You, you stop him with these questions. You stupid you idiot. Stop No, him. no, Percy. It was Percy. Okay, Percy. and he doesn't yeah, even Which know. is the worst right. one. That's the less good one because it, we it, cannot read we can't. and we cannot write. Refuse Next up from John Hubbard. Since the rest of the season is more going to be a weekly scrimmage, how much playing time should Hauser get to each game? Should they just split the quarters? Just rotate Why not? Them? Why not? Each quarterback gets one. Do I mean, so with everything. Just and that. honestly, I think that Noah would appreciate it. Just let guys choose their positions. Let them try some stuff out. It would yeah. be like peewee football all over again. Yeah. Uh, next up for Mr. Neurotic Pants. Uh, it was 14 to zero and MSU just threw its third incomplete pass when I got up and went to a D3 football game in person. I saw the pattern. Am I disloyal to Sparta? No, you're loyal to your own mental health and good for you. It was right around this time where I looked over to the student section and just, just, Droves, droves straight yep. out the door. Uh, we at, at right around that time, we actually left our tickets that we had to go sit with friends and we were kind of also leaving and these like young fans behind us that actually looked like really young. I don't think they'd even graduated, but they weren't in the student section asked out loud to all of us like, are you leaving? And I wanted to be like, hi, yes, look at me. I'm not leaving. We're going to another part of the stadium. We're staying until the bitter end. I understand that it looks like we're leaving. You're not going to see us again, but we're not. Um, it, it, it sucked because it, it felt like, uh, like I was setting a bad example. Um, you were. And you mostly I'm do. telling the story. <laughs> you because were, and you usually do. Next up, Mr. Ruckhands. This week, Mel Tucker starts a new career as a televangelist. Don't ever let up. Keep chopping. Trust the scriptures. <laughs> D'Antonio appears confused. I'm the head couch, and I always be the head coach of the program. I don't know if that... Barnett, to the press, our secondary is right where we want it to be. Mel Tucker turning to a new career as a televangelist under these circumstances? Totally. Totally. Very good. Mr. Neurotic Pants. Very good. Yep. Uh, If you thought of that at the D3 football game, that was time well spent, sir. Mm. Uh, and finally, for Mr. Ronic Pants, can we do this Premier League style and be relegated to the MAC for the next five years? Well, let's be clear. I mean, we didn't talk about a lot, a lot about this, but this is the fear, isn't it? That with the changes happening to the Big Ten and with the status of our program, coach, whatever else, like this hire, whether there's anything salvageable about this year, this will determine. This could determine the next 15 to 20 years of Michigan State football. I mean, or like we've talked about, you could look at Washington and be like, yeah. this is the team that sure. can turn it around, put it together. Sure. Sure. You just have to get Michael Penix and really good wide receivers. That's all you got to do. That's, That's all, all you got to do. do. That's all you got to uh, do. Next up from Amopolis, back to basics, number one. So the focus should be teaching the young athletes, aka teenage boys, thanks for bringing that up, a healthy and balanced lifestyle. What words of encouragement, support, and direction, without an Oxford comma, were included in your halftime pep talk this past Saturday evening? Plum, uh, I'll give this to you. 
yeah, screaming the word fuck just a hundred thousand times and and in each one of their faces. Fuck! Fuck! Like, in front of every single one of them. Like the way that Barnett had scheduled times individually yes. with every yes. guy this week. Yes. He was yes. following up. Up on those and finishing up with just screaming fuck in their faces until something clicked. Also, finding all the players on the injury list and going to them and just wrenching their shins or bending their legs the wrong way just to see how badly injured they were to just really roll the screws. So I think that's Speaking of which, basic emotional level-headedness number two, (laughs) Tagliavoglia has unfinished business to do in Maryland and guessing his emotional swing yesterday from frustration to exuberance will repeat on Saturday. So what's a defenseless defense to do in order to level out the redshirt senior quarterback I hate this question because it's too long. <laughs> too long. We covered that in the preview. Uh, <laughs> good. Level-headed number three. I know I keep harping on why college sports exist and what society should do to prevent a continuation of money and power glutting the experience for impressionable youth, comma, <laughs> and now you're the hardworking fellow with the $95 million Dollar, what? What? So, what do you do? What the fuck is this? This question. Who is the the fellow with the ninety five million? Am I him? Do I have the money? Does the program have the money? Does Alan have the money? Who has the money? Susan, show me the money. Also, you keep harping on it, uh, but you keep watching it, and I, I'm confused. Too many ampersands and too many commas, Susan. I will refuse to answer this question. Much like we refused to play a football game this last Saturday. Very good. Gentlemen, I hope that we have a better outing this coming Saturday. It has always been a... I would just say, it's a reminder for everyone. We like seeing each other uh, these Sundays. It is uh, uh, the thread of, of being a Spartan that keeps us together. And we are maybe in for some dark times as spartans but it is our community that makes this really important and really special and so i say every week and forever go green go white go white